Not for a 5K. That, let's, let's make that clear. Not coming to Atlanta for a 5K. Sorry, but not sorry. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1087, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 here we are, end of another month, and that uh, means one thing around here. If you've been around for a while, you know what it means. It means it's time for me to answer your questions. You ask, I answer. That is the basic formula around here. It seems like it's working halfway well. We've been doing this for, gosh, I don't know, four or five years we've been doing these Q&A episodes. Um, I know it wasn't around from day one, but somewhere along the line, we started We started doing Q&A episodes and it's become a monthly staple here. And, uh, you know, I think as long as y'all keep asking questions, I'll keep doing uh, doing these episodes every month. If you're new around here, like I said, we do these every month. And if you ever have a question that you want to get answered, that you want to get asked, no, you're going to ask it. I'm going to answer it. But if you ever have a question for me for one of these Q&A episodes, uh, you can send them to me any old time, any old way. But I'll tell you what, the best way is in our Facebook group. Why? Because uh, that way they don't get lost, quite frankly. Um, if you join the Facebook group at disruns.com slash Facebook or just search for the Disruns tribe on Facebook, ask to get let in, we'll let you in. Uh, around the middle of the month, usually about a week and a half before this episode comes out, I put out a post that says, hey, what are your questions this month? You leave your questions in the comments. And then they're all in one place, easy to find. If you shoot me an email, you know, if, I've had email questions over the years. I've had you know, Twitter DMs or, or Instagram DMs. Gary Joe is notorious for sliding to the DMs with a few questions. He did that this month as well. You know, I'll try to make sure they get in. Uh, if you time it right and make sure you're in that that window towards the end of the month, there's a pretty good chance. If you, if you send the questions early in the month, they may get lost in the shuffle. I'm not trying to lose questions, but, you know, stranger things have happened. My email inbox hot freaking disaster, black hole where messages go to get lost. Um, but on the Facebook group or in the Facebook group, you ask them there. They're in one place. They're easy for me to find. Bada boom, bada bam. You've got questions. We've got answers and we've got a Q&A episode. So we are doing that this month. Once again, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook uh, for, for more tomfoolery than just the, the Q&A. But maybe that's, maybe that's the highlight for you. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the nonsense. Maybe it's all of the above. Uh, but would love to have you join our our little corner of Facebook that I think, I think, is halfway decent. Striving to be the best running group on Facebook. I don't know if we're there or not, but we're you know we're in the we're we're in the mix. I think. Come join the party. Dizruns.com/slash/facebook. Anyway, let's get to some questions. I don't know how many. Uh, I guess I do know how many questions we have. I don't know how long this is going to take. As always, it could take, you know, 45 minutes. It could take two hours. Probably it'll be somewhere in the middle. We'll just roll with it. And, uh, you know, when it's done, it's done. So first question coming from Karen. Uh, so how are you liking the Georgia weather? Have you thought about running a race anytime soon? The Palmetto Peach Half Marathon is going to be in Augusta the Saturday after Thanksgiving. You'll run part 
of uh, part of the race in Carolina, in South Carolina, just a little bit in Georgia. Sounds like a cool race. I'm considering it. So, uh, Karen, thank you for, for the welcomes along the way. Uh, so far, so good here in Georgia. Um, and as, as we're recording this and Florida has just gotten battered from Hurricane Ian, um, you know, not like that is the main reason that we've uh, been enjoying Georgia so far, but but uh, certainly, you know, thoughts with everybody that are down there uh, dealing with it. Um, and glad that that's been something that we've mostly avoided, although it looks like we might get some rain from it. Maybe while you're listening to this, it might, it might uh, you know, give us a little drive-by as it, as it f- fades into existence. But all in all, the weather in Georgia has been, uh, yeah, definitely better than... Um, in my opinion, better than the weather in Florida, hurricane notwithstanding. Um, and it's, it's been weird because there's been times that uh, I've looked at the, you know, looked at the weather here on the weather app on the phone and then compared it to the weather app in Florida. And some of the, like sometimes for the mornings, for the runs, it looks like the numbers look about the same, you know, the temperature one or two degrees different maybe, um, but not, not subst- like I, I am not sensitive enough to temperatures to be like, Ooh, it is. It is 69 versus 71. Like, I don't, it, it's the same temperature. Like, let's not kid ourselves. You know, the humidity, according to the app, has been about the same, sometimes exactly the same. Um, but I'll tell you what, more often than not, it just feels less oppressive here than it has felt in Florida. Um, and certainly, you know, as as September's rolling into October, maybe maybe fall starts a few months earlier here than it does in Florida, which would be, which would be useful. Um, but yeah, I mean, even, even when we were here, you know, in, in, in late July, early August, um, when it was definitely still summer, it just, it felt a little bit better. It felt a little bit better. Even when it was hot, it didn't feel quite as oppressively humid. Um, so yeah, so far so good. Definitely enjoying the Georgia weather. You know, I might be a little bit, uh, more grumpy about the weather in like January, you know, when like whatever, whatever level of winter we get here is going to be more intense than the winter of Florida. Um, and I'm not like super keen for, you know, like real frost and, you know, maybe some snow in the air and, and that type of stuff. Um, but all in all, I'm, I'm down with the Georgia weather for sure. Have you thought about running a race anytime soon? I haven't really thought about it. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've dabbled. I've looked a little bit. I, I guess I can't say I haven't thought about it. I've looked at, you know, what's kind of local. Are there any, any good races, any, any trail races locally, ultras, things like that. Um, I still haven't run a marathon in Georgia. So, you know, kind of looking for what's, what's local. It doesn't seem like there's any real local marathons here. Uh, you know, I mean, Atlanta is only a couple hours away. It's not like it's that far away. Uh, but nothing Augusta, which is just a stone's throw from here. Um, but that, that race actually does sound a little bit, a little bit fun. Um, you know, local enough and, and, you know, kind of two states of, of half marathoning. Um, so I might look into it. The problem is, is I don't know exactly what our Thanksgiving plans are. Uh, and we might, I don't know, but I know there's been talk about potentially going to my in-laws for things. We've always gone to my in-laws for Thanksgiving the last several years. They're down in Daytona. Um, so clearly if we, if we do that, I don't know that we'd be back up here on Saturday, but I don't know. Possibility. Thank you for putting that race on my radar, Karen. Um, and if I run it, I'll let you know. And if you run it, please let me know. And, uh, you know, maybe we can say hi, have a cup of coffee afterwards, whatever the case might be. But, uh, um, yeah, so far glad to be in Georgia and, uh, hopefully, um, it's not just still honeymoon time and, you know, eventually we'll get to the real, the real, real, real world of it and be like, ah, you know, hopefully not. But I mean, I'm sure it probably will to some point, but anyway, thanks for the questions, Karen. Appreciate it. 
Next question from Lewis. What do you think about this, Denny? I mean, I think that's a lousy question, bro. Um, like kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of serious. Like, don't just post a link and say, what do you think of this? Like ask a, ask a bloody question. Um, I'll answer your question. I'll answer the question that you meant to ask, even though you didn't ask it. Um, but Hey, don't be, don't be lazy. Write a question. What do you think about this, Denny? And the, the, the link is for, uh, the Boston marathon having no, um, extra cutoff for the BQ time. BQ made it this year for the 2023 Boston marathon. What do you think about it? I love it. I love it. I, uh, I, I hope that this becomes the trend again, because it wasn't that long ago. And, and, and frankly, honestly, it was before I really got into running enough to kind of know a little bit about Boston, but I know it wasn't that long ago. Um, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago where if you BQ'd, you BQ'd. If you BQ'd by one second, when you crossed the finish line of your race and you had, you know, whatever, if your marathon time was 3.30 and you had a 3.29.59, you knew you made it. You were going to be able to go to Boston. Period. There was never any question. There was never any doubt. And then, of course, as things get more popular, more people running, more people chasing Boston, and all of a sudden, you got into this, this scenario where there was a buffer, right? And so if you needed that 3.30... Maybe, you know, you qualified for Boston, but maybe what you really needed to, to, to be accepted to run the race was a 328-32 or whatever it was. You know, just it, it depended on how many people qualified, et cetera, et cetera. But all of a sudden, 329-59 or whatever, you know, whatever one second faster than whatever your qualifying time needed to be was not only no longer guaranteed, but was probably not good enough. So you qualified, but you didn't qualify by enough. I mean, I think that sucks and, and I get why they do it. And I like, I, I don't know that there's a better solution other than to keep lowering the standards to the point where, you know, there's just not as many people qualifying, which as somebody striving to qualify hurts me to say that a little bit, but, but I'll tell you what, like I would rather know at the finish line that I did enough or not than to have to wait two months, four months, six months to find out if I qualified enough. Like that sucks, you know, to, to, yes, I qualified. Oh, sorry. You're not qualified enough. Like that, that just sucks versus you get to the finish line. You missed it by a second. Like, oh shit. Like so close, but I, I just came up short or you make it by a minute. Oh hell yeah. I'm good to go. Not now I'm in purgatory for six months waiting to find out, waiting for the shoe to drop. Did I get in? Did I not? And especially some of those folks that have qualified by two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. I know a few, a few folks pretty well qualified by four, four ish minutes, a couple times. And I, you know, and I even told them like, you're good. Four minutes. You're good. Nope. Not good enough. That sucks. So I love that, that for the second year in a row, there's been no extra buffer. You, you BQ'd, you BQ'd period. And I hope that, that, that continues to be the case, even if that means that they've got to lower the standards even more, make it even harder for schmucks like me to, to eventually qualify. I want to know when I cross the line, if I, if I made it or not, not have to, to submit, apply, fingers crossed for months waiting to find out. Like that's, no, I don't like that. So I love it. I love that uh, there's, there's been no extra buffer the last couple of years. I hope that's a trend that sticks around. Next question from Lewis. Also a terrible question because the question is also, what about this? See, see above. 
Ask a question, Lewis. And I know that's a question, so don't come at me with that. Ask your question. Don't post a link and tell me to come up with what the question is. So the, the, the link here is also about Boston Marathon. And, and, and maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't, that they added an option for, for qualifying times for non, non-binary. I think it's, I don't want to say I think it's a non-story, but I like, I don't know what reaction you want from Like, cool. More inclusivity? Yes. Sign me up. Like, like it doesn't affect me. Those that, that identify as non-binary, they feel more welcome. They feel more like, like the, the, the inclusivity of the running community of the, of the sport in general of one of the biggest races in the world recognizes, recognizes them. I mean, yeah, what's not to love? What's, what's, what's again, like it's not an, it's, it's, I understand it's a story, but to me, it's a non-story like this. Yes. Yes. All right. Move on. Like this. Great. Hopefully other races that have qualifying times follow suit. Um, and hopefully we can just, you know, love our brothers and our sisters and our, and our non-binary peers, siblings, um, and, and not make like, not try to make divisiveness about it. And I don't know that you're coming at it with a divisiveness on this one, Lewis. I don't know. You didn't ask a question. So I don't know what your, what your intent was here. Um, but I, I know I've seen people come at this as devi- divisive about it. And that's, that's BS. Get out of here. More inclusivity, more just, you're like, yes, we see you. Come on. If you can do this, you qualify. You're good to go. Good to go. Love it. Love it. So thanks for the questions, Lewis. And next month, I, thanks for the questions, asterisk. Next month, ask a question. All right. You've been asking questions all along. Now you just ask questions with a link. No, 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 no. Ask your question. Cause I'm not going to click links and do research. We we've established that, right? I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not going down your, your link rabbit hole to try to figure out like to, to research on stuff. Ask your question. If I can answer it, I'll answer it. If not, I'll say, I, I don't know, but I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not clicking the links. That ain't happening. So ask a question next month. Hope things are well though for you, Lewis. Next question. An actual question. Hey, here we go. Well done, Nicole. Appreciate you. Nicole asked, Excited for you to be in Georgia. Would you consider doing an Augusta or Atlanta meetup if you didn't have to plan it? Would love to meet some local tribe members in person. So, Nicole, you've clearly been listening. You know that uh, the odds of me putting a meetup together are slim and none. Slim and none. Leaning heavily, leaning more heavily towards none than slim. Um, but yeah, you know, absolutely. If somebody puts something together... Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and pretend like it wouldn't matter which place Augusta would be a thousand times more convenient than Atlanta. However, uh, you know, we'll get to that in a second. Like, like, I mean, Augusta, like literally we lived in Augusta for like a month, you know, while Addison was going to school in Evans where we are now. Um, and it was like a 30 minute drive ish. It's like 12, 12 miles, but you know, traffic and lights and things like that. Um, but I mean, Augusta's right there. Like I ran to Augusta last weekend, like legit ran from Evans to Augusta. So like clearly Augusta's closer, clearly Augusta would be more convenient for me. Um, however, I also recognize that there's, there's a fair few folks that listen to the show that live in the greater Atlanta area. Um, so it might be a little bit easier to, to organize something, um, whether it's, it's, it's a quote unquote, a just meetup, whether it is some like small race. Um, and I don't mean small race, like 5k. Cause y'all, I ain't driving to Atlanta for a 5k. I'll drive to Atlanta for a meetup. I ain't driving to Atlanta for a 5k. 
Um, but maybe, you know, like, like a smaller race that's in Atlanta, some little local race that's got maybe a 10K option, a 10-mile option, maybe a half marathon option, maybe a marathon option. I don't know. Call me crazy. Maybe there's a Ragnar. I feel like, did I see a Ragnar trail thing in the greater Atlanta area? Maybe there's an option there. Um, but all that to say, I know there's, there's a fair few folks of you that, that listen to the show um, that have been active members in the group for years that I've coached, uh, that all live in Atlanta. Um, and I think I've said this before, but my brother-in-law also lives in Atlanta. So, you know, like, like, I don't think I would, it would take too much arm twisting of Rebecca and of Addison to be like, Hey, you mind taking a, like, what, what if we went to Atlanta this weekend? Go see, go see uncle Sean, go see our niece and nephew, Addison, go play with her cousins. Like, you know, I mean, I could do a, do a meetup, maybe run a race, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, so yeah, like if, if you wanted to put something I, and I'm not throwing you under the bus, Nicole, I'm not saying you have to do it, but you asked the question, um, you know, if you wanted to put something together in Augusta, sure. Absolutely there. You want to put something together in Atlanta? Sure. Almost certainly there. Um, and, and I think, it, I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be awesome. And again, if there's, if there's a race involved or just, or just some type of long run, like, Hey, let's meet on, you know, whatever Saturday at 7am and we'll go we'll go run and then we'll have coffee afterwards. We'll have coffee first. Then we'll go run like whatever, you know, something like that, that would work out. I, I know it's going to be hard to necessarily make something like that work for every single person, but if we get, you know, half a dozen, 10, do- well, maybe not 10 dozen, 10 dozen would be a lot, half a dozen, 10, 12, 15. Um, that'd be, that'd be really cool. So, so yes, uh, I, I hope it's something that can work out. Um, maybe for a race, maybe just for a run, maybe just for a coffee, but you know, not for a 5k. That, let's let's make that clear. Not coming to Atlanta for a 5K. Sorry, but not sorry. Anyway, thanks for the questions, Nicole. Hopefully, uh, get to get to say hi in person one of these days in the not too too distant future. All right. Next up, we got Candy here. The old cornucopia questions from Candy. Uh, first one. Well, a little bit of context before the first question. Okay, here are mine, and I have quite a few. I save all my running questions for you. I think. Thank you. Like I appreciate it. Um, but, you know, you don't always have to wait for the end of the month for your questions, Candy. Like, if you, if you have questions earlier in the month, you know, you can you can ask questions of other people. I'm not going to be offended. But uh, appreciate your questions. Uh, first one, or again, a little bit of context. I have a vitiligo in my hands and have to wear a physical sunblock anytime I'm out in the sun. So question number one, do you know of anyone that makes gloves with sunblock? So um, this is going to be a little bit snarky, Candy, but, uh, you know, it, it's, said, it's said with love. Um, I don't know any, I, 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 I didn't know until like today of any, anyone that made gloves with a built-in SPF. I didn't even really know that was a thing. I'm not surprised that it is. Um, but all I did was typed it into Google gloves, SPF, and there's like, you know, a dozen different sites. And I'm sure if you typed it into Amazon, there'd be a bunch as well. Um, you know, and I don't know exactly what you're looking for. If you're looking for something thin, something that's a little bit thicker, but it looks like, looks like for fisher, for fishermen, for fisher people, for fishermen and women. Um, it looks like there's a market there. Um, but it looks like there's a bunch of different varieties. Some with the fingers still attached, some with the fingers open. So you have a little bit more dexterity at the fingertips. Um, but hopefully something like that would, would work for you. Um, but I mean, you know, just, just turn to Google. Uh, number two, any running tops, that have sunblock. I mean, again, just kind of turn to Google and, and look for that. Um, although I do have a little bit more experience with this. Um, I've, I've got a long sleeve, I don't know, dry fit, whatever that I believe it's by DeSoto company. 
Um, but it's it's technically like for triathlon triathlons triathletes, I guess. Um, but I can I wear it running as well. Um, actually, really more wear it when I'm working out in the yard in the summertime to just try to like you know try to keep a little bit of the sun off of me if I'm going to be out there for a while and it's it's the heat of the day. Um, but stuff like that, I mean, it's dry fit. It, it does it, it does great with sweat wickings. I'm sure it would be great for for running as well. Um, and again, you know, long sleeves and, and the reason I first heard about it, shout out to my girl, Kate. Um, she has something from the company that's, I don't know what she called wings or something like that, but it's basically like sleeves and like kind of shoulder ish shoulder caps, um, with a connection in between, but it's like, you know, for, for, for her, for, for anybody, I guess, but the way Kate wears it, you know, if she's wearing like a tank top and all of a sudden now she needs, she's out there for longer, needs something that's a little bit more protection from the sun, but not a full on shirt. She can just put this on. It kind of fulfills the coverage that, of what the tank top is, is missing. Um, and she, she loves it. She raves about it. And when I was like, hey, what was that thing again? She pointed me right in the direction. And again, I believe it's DeSoto Company. Um, I'll make sure to link it in the show notes, uh, the, the one that I have. But again, plenty of options out there. Just hit up, hit up Google. You know, you can save your running questions for me. But something like that, just hit up Google. You know, it's problem solved. Question answered. Next question also from Candy. What is the difference between Gatorade and other electrolyte drinks? Whew. There's, there are, on the one hand, they're all the same. And on the other hand, there's a thousand differences, right? So, so the first difference or the first thing that I would look at is calories, right? Cause like Gatorade is sugar heavy and, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. Um, you could take, you could treat it as a bad thing. There's, there's a time and a place for, for a, a sugary Sports drinks. So your Gatorade, your Powerade, your tail, Tailwind. Uh, I'm sure there's several others, but those are the ones that first pop into my mind. Are you know there's 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 plenty of electrolytes in it, plenty of salt in it as well, uh, but also a lot of sugar. You know, and that's why that they're they're kind of used for for um, for that boost during during a run, right? Because you're getting your calories in or during a workout, whatever. You're getting your calories. You're replacing the electrolytes. Bada boom, bada bam. Good to go. Of course, there's also if you really got technical and, and, uh, I can't tell you the differences here, but if you know, certain people, different sensitivities, to different sweeteners to, to fructose versus glucose, things like that. So, so check your labels. There's going to be some differences there as well in terms of how much salt, how much, how much sugar, um, some of those subtleties that, that create different tastes, but also for some people cause more issues or not. Uh, so, so double check your labels there. Uh, but the other big thing, you know, the, the, the other, some other varieties of electrolyte drinks. I'm thinking Element. I'm thinking Precision Hydration. Uh, Noon comes to mind. Uh, and I'm, I, again, I know there's others out there as well. Um, but they're mostly electrolytes with with very few calories. They basically have you know different types of sweeteners that aren't sugar, right? So like I don't know what Element uses or or what uh, like Yellow, Element is what I've been been getting into. Thanks, Michaela, for turning me on to that company. Now they're now I'm sending them money every month for. Uh, for all of the, 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 the little pouches to mix in with my water bottle. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's potassium, it's sodium, it's calcium. And then whatever little, you know, whether it's artificial, whether it's stevia, like, I don't know exactly what it is, what the sweetener is. Um, but some type of sweetener to still make it palatable, right? Still give it a flavor, but the calorie in a, in a, in a, in a pack is like 10 calories versus the calories in an equivalent pack of like tailwind is like 200 calories. So, you know, it's, it's just a different, different formulation. Um, still gives you electrolytes, of course, still helps to replace those. But like, I feel like I can, I, I feel like I wouldn't take Gatorade or some of or tailwind or whatever. Um, 
when I'm not running because like, I don't want all that sugar, right? I'm a low, low carb kind of guy. If I'm running, you know, during a race, that's a different story, but not, you know, just, just on the daily, like no, but element, you know, has a little bit more than just the, the, the sea salt that I had been putting in my, in my drink also has a little bit better flavor, quite frankly, than the salty water. Um, so I've been, I've been playing with that a little bit more and, and liking it so far. So without the calorie bomb, I mean, it's, you know, 10 calories, 12 calories, whatever, but like I can, I can navigate that and it's not all sugar calories. Like we're okay. Not that I'm counting calories. I don't want to come across the wrong way there, but just low calorie. I'm just using it to, to mostly add the electrolytes. I don't need a bunch of extra ne- nonsense there. And so that's where that works for me. So that's, that's probably the biggest difference calories versus non-calories. Then you can start breaking down ingredients, different, different things there. Um, that quite frankly, I've never really looked into, but some folks, especially if you have a sensitive stomach, you know, the difference, you know, that Gatorade works or, uh, Powerade works or certain colors are work better than others. So, you know, there's, there are some of those differences as well that, um, quite frankly, I've never looked into. So it's hard for me to answer. Last but not least from candy for her questions this month, do you recommend any running sunglasses? So, um, it's hard for me to say anything other than gooders. Um, gooder sunglasses are awesome. Um, their, their price point for a polarized pair of sunglasses that like fits well, pretty durable is, is like 25, $30. I don't know, maybe with inflation, maybe we're up to $35 now, but like, like I used to be a big Oakley fan. Um, and I still like, don't have anything bad to say about Oakley's, but like, you know, when I can get four pairs of gooders for the same price as one pair of polarized Oakley's, like, like the cheap, the cheap, the cheapskate in me makes it hard to say like, well, yeah, I'm going to lean into to one pair of Oakley's. Um, currently I'm not really wearing sunglasses. I don't really do sunglasses anymore. Um, for a whole host of reasons that we can get into somewhere other, otherwise, if you, if you really want to, but, uh, the last pair of sunglasses I had were gooders and I liked them. I was a fan. And if I were to go back into to sunglasses, getting sunglasses, wearing sunglasses on a run, um, I think that's where I would start and probably where I'd finish. Like, Gooder, gooder.com g-o-o-d-r.com no no affiliation no benefit to me just uh that's that's the sunglasses i i enjoy variety of different styles different different uh you know decorative different colors things like that so probably can find something that uh, would suit your style there candy but thank you for the questions this month milady hope uh hope you're able to find something for your hands and your arms um with the sunblock that works for you Next question from Thessaly. I'm sad, but also in that sick runner way, kind of proud to say that I have two, count them, two big toes. Well, I'm glad you have two big toes, Thessaly. Like, congratulations. Ha! Both with black toenails. So, ah, you're, you're sad, but proud of the two black toenails. It's been more than 10 years since the last time I lost my big toenails. What happened? I'm sure you've answered this type of question, but would appreciate it if you could please refresh us with what could be the causes and possibly a solution for black toenails. Thanks. Follow-up or corollary, I guess. Victoria replied to Thessaly's question today. I have a corollary to Thessaly's question. My second toes are a bit longer than my big toes and both, but especially on my left foot, will sometimes feel sore and a bit bruised after a long run. They never get black, but I have lost a toenail on occasion. I think it's my socks rather than the shoes that cause the problem by tightening up along my foot as I run or walk for that matter. I often don't feel the pain until I remove the sock at home. Uh, I can feel how tightly the sock has been on my toes. I'm always careful to leave my toes some breathing room in the socks, but they still seem to tighten up. I've tried a variety of socks and thought I was really on 
to a winner within Jinji Toe Socks, which have been working really well for me on runs less than 10 miles. When runs exceed 10 miles, my toes start to get sore. I would appreciate any insight or experience you might have to save my poor little toes. Thanks. So Thessaly and Victoria, both dealing with some toe issues. Um, and I, I hate to be as dismissive as I'm about to potentially sound like I'm being. I'm not saying this dismissively, but the vast majority of the time, it's a shoe issue. Could it? Be? And I'm not saying, Victoria, that it's not a sock issue, but typically your your toes not rubbing in your socks, right? Now, maybe with the longer, depending on how much longer your second toes are, like maybe, like that's more of the focal point. So maybe it could be a little bit of a sock issue. Um, but more, most of the time, if, if there's if there's a rubbing issue, like it's not, the sock could be contributing and that maybe you need a thicker sock. Maybe you need, um, you know, may, maybe it's something like that where a little bit of extra cushion with a thicker sock could help. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but more often than not, it's it's toes rubbing in shoes. And especially, you know, Victoria, to your point, for the, the, the shorter runs seem to work well. The longer runs, maybe you start to get a little bit of that soreness. Maybe you start to get a little bit of that rubbing because what happens most of the time for all of us is that you're on your feet for two, three, four hours. Your feet start to swell. You know, your, your feet uh, at the end of a run, and it's not like you're going to look down and be like, holy crap, why did I, how did these feet get so, like, you're not going to notice it. But in terms of like, you know, if you, if you got the, the old shoe measurer out there, the foot measurer out there, like your feet are going to be bigger after a long run than they were at the start of the long run. It's just, it's just how it works. It's, it's, it's the, it's the physics. It's the way the body responds to the pounding of running. Um, and obviously it's not long lasting. It, it bounces back, uh, or shrinks back, I guess. Um, you know, the swelling comes out of your feet, but it's not uncommon for people to, to really, some people to really have a big swelling of the feet, but all of us have some level of swelling of the feet while we're running. So all that to say, you know, your shoes might fit great for the shorter runs, or maybe the socks fit great for the shorter runs. Um, but you're out there long enough and there's some rubbing that happens. And that's usually where the, the, the black toenails come from, or even just the sore toenails come from. Um, so what's the solution? Well, potentially it's looking at a bigger shoe. Um, potentially it's, it could be road related. So like if you're running more downhills, that's going to push your feet forward. You know, now again, you may not be able to, to, to just say, Oh, well, I'm not going to run downhills anymore. Like that may not be an option, but just something to think about when you're running downhills, your feet tend to slide forward a little bit. Maybe you can change the way you're lacing your shoes a little bit to give uh, to keep it a little bit tighter around the ankle, to do some of the, the ankle locks or heel locks on, on your lacing techniques, which is what those those extra eyelets are for, typically in your running shoes. Um, but also you can loosen up the down by the toe, the forefoot area a little bit of the, of the shoe, um, which maybe keeps that from constricting. Also, you know, a potential contributor and, and something that we've definitely had people complain about and commiserate with, and I've been right there on the forefront of it as well, is that, you know, maybe you've got shoes that you've been working for you using for years and they've been working great, but you know, uh, they're on the third model, fourth, fourth model, fifth model, you know, version four, version five, version six of these shoes. Well, you know, stranger things have happened than ultra or Nike or Saucony or new balance or whoever taking a shoe that works really great. Try to streamline it a little bit more, make it a little bit better. And now all of a sudden it rubs on your toes, you know? So maybe it is, a, it's time to look at different types of shoes. Not saying that you need to, but just saying that don't, don't just be like, well, I've been wearing, I've been wearing these, you know, whatever these, these, 
I don't know, these, these Pegasus, these Nike Pegasus shoes for six years and never had a problem. Now all of a sudden, like, like, you know, what is it? What's going on is maybe is my socks look, maybe the new, the new pegs are uh, not as good as the old ones were, or they just fit differently. Maybe you need a half size bigger. Maybe you need to go with a wide because they've gotten more narrow, you know, just, just some of those things that, that can change with, with shoes. Um, but also, you know, like I said, your feet can change, you know, like that's, that's a thing too, especially if you're doing some massage work or some, some of the footwork on your, on your feet, maybe they start to spread out a little bit so that they're, they're rubbing more on the shoes that way from a width perspective. So maybe you need a wider shoe, more of a foot shaped toe box shoe than a tapered shoe. Like a lot of shoes are, um, there's, there's a lot of, of possibilities, but nine times out of 10, it comes down to friction between your toe and your shoe. Um, and so alleviating that, maybe we go back to, I, I know there was a question a few months back about where, where the answer came back with the toe condom. Um, but you can get one of those, you know, and, and in case you missed that one, uh, you can get them from, from Walgreens or any type of drugstore. There's these little, I think they're like more for like calluses or for corns or whatever, but they work for, for blisters as well, or for potentially to protect the toenail, uh, give a little extra cushion. They're like a, a little bit of a gel, um, kind of looks like a condom basically a little bit, but they're made for going over your toes. You just roll it onto your toe. Um, could be an expensive solution if you tried to do that for every run. Um, at least it would add up cause they're not super, re- you can reuse them once or twice, but you know, they get a little funky after a while. Um, but at least could maybe help get over the hump while you're figuring out, all right, what, what do I need in terms of socks, shoes, route, things like that. Um, but I will say this for whatever it's worth. Um, I, I believe that black toenails are not, um, are not something that has to happen to everybody or not, are not something that we should just dismiss as normal. Like that, to me, that means your shoes don't fit. I've never had a black toenail ever. You know, you, you want to think I'm jinxing myself. Cool. But I've said that before. I'll say it again. I've never lost a toenail due to running. Never had a black toenail. Um, due to running, I mean, drop something on my foot or things like that where, you know, but that's, that's different. Never because of, of tight running shoes or, you know, the wrong socks or anything like that. So there's a solution out there for both of y'all ladies and anybody else who's dealing with similar type of issues. Um, but sometimes it just takes a little, little trial and error, a little trying some different things to figure out the right mix, but good luck. Good luck. Cause, uh, 10 to 10 toes and 10 toenails. That's, that's, that's not out of the equation was still being a, a long distance runner and also no toe pain, uh, also not out of the equation. So good luck ladies, but thanks for the questions next from Natasha. A couple of questions. I think just two. Yeah, just two. First one. What words of wisdom do you have for a first time marathoner? Oh, Natasha getting ready for your first marathon. That's awesome. Um, the biggest words of wisdom are, it's kind of two, two things. Um, both sort of stemming from the same root, but the, the biggest one is to just have fun have fun. Um, you know, that first marathon is the thing. Hopefully your, your training has gone well and you're in a, a much better position preparation wise than I was for my first marathon, because that was a dumpster fire and a half. Um, but if you're in in decent, decently prepared condition, having fun's a lot easier, right? Because like you're not struggling for 15 miles. Like I was, uh, you just kind of cruise along. Hopefully, you know, there's some good spectators. You can, you can read the signs, um, you know, give high fives, like whatever, like just kind of enjoy the, the, the environment. Maybe there's some bands, some music, some on course entertainment, enjoy that. Soak it all in. 
Um, but mostly just have fun. And kind of the second piece of that puzzle is don't worry about a goal time. Um, you know, and, and I know that for a lot of us, it's hard. You know, we, we, even if we, even if we think we don't care about the time, you know, it's, oh, I want to be in four hours. Or I want to be in five hours or I want to be in four hours and 30 or whatever it is. Um, make that like something to worry about for marathon number two, if there is a marathon number two. Uh, but for the first one, you know, just, just go into it to have fun, go into it with the goal of, Hey, we're just, we're just worrying about finishing, getting to getting across the finish line upright, putting that medal around my neck and, and whatever time that says on the clock is the time it says on the clock. It's the perfect time. It's the right time. Um, but just going to it, having fun and, you know, it might be a little bit of a struggle towards the end. That's okay. That's normal. But if, if the attitude is to have fun, hopefully it'll be a positive first experience that maybe leads to a second, third, fourth, fifth experience in the marathon. Um, but good luck and have fun. Good luck and have fun. Uh, next question from Natasha. Okay. Hopefully this will make sense. And it does make sense. Natasha, don't worry. You, you, you wrote out your question. You didn't just say, hopefully this makes sense. And then posted a link. Appreciate that. Um, hubs is going to be out of town three weeks before my long race. So no childcare. Um, and that is when I'm supposed to have my longest run of the training plan. My plan is to switch out that 20 mile run to four weeks out. But what about the runs for that weekend? Three weeks out. What are the impacts of not having a long run three weeks before a marathon? Could I swap it with strength training or something of the sort? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, and this is where, and and I say, of course, like this is my job. So of, of course I I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I totally get the, especially, you know, and I just said, if you're, if you're well-trained for your first marathon, it makes it a lot easier to have fun. And now you've got this curveball in your training plan going, wait a minute. Like, like I've been sticking to it. I'm, I'm assuming, hoping I've been sticking to it pretty well. And now I've got this, this life is getting in the way. And how do I adjust? Um, I think your option makes sense. I'm going to, I'm going to throw you another option as well. Um, what if you ran that longest long run the week after that it's scheduled for. So if, if I'm reading this correctly, if I'm reading your, your, if I'm looking at your, your, I'm not looking at your calendar, but if I'm looking at your, your question correctly and seeing the calendar correctly in my head, so you've got a, you've got the race and then you've got two weeks of like tapering. And then you've got this long run, this 20 mile long run scheduled. So that means that you could also do the long run the week after and still have only one weekend, but still basically have two full weeks of tapering, which I'm not saying that the two week taper is better than a three week taper. I'm not saying that a three week taper is better than a two week taper. I'm saying that for myself, I've never done a three week taper. Um, just because, and not because it's bad, not because it's wrong, not because any, like, just because it's just like the, the taper crazies, which you'll probably deal with. Um, the taper crazies over two weeks versus over three weeks. Like I'll take it for just two. Thanks. Um, so maybe that's an option, but if you, if you decide to kind of go with what you're thinking, all right, well, well let's move that long run up to four weeks out, hit your 20 miles. Sweet. Then use, use that, that week while your husband's out of town as, as something of, you know, get what you can week, at least as far as the weekend for the long run. So maybe you do some strength training, maybe you do some yoga, maybe you just get a short run, whatever. But then, then you've still got, another week that you can do normal training and you can do a long run that, that two weeks now before the race, instead of maybe doing 20, cause you already did your 20. Although you could do a second 20 as an option. I would say maybe more for a more experienced marathoner, um, with time goals, maybe a second 20 makes more sense. If for your first one, get that first one out of the way, but then maybe you do 15, 16, 17 miles 
two weeks before the race, maybe 12, maybe 14, whatever. Um, but you could still do a, a relatively long run there and not having that, that one weekend where you don't do a long run. I promise you no factor, no factor at all. So all that to say, and, and I hope I didn't make it more confusing for you, Natasha, but you've got options. You can move that, that long run to four weeks out. You can move that long run to two weeks out. Both will work. Both will give you plenty of time to still be rested and recovered for race day. If you move it to four, you're probably still going to do a relatively long run two weeks out anyway. Maybe not 20, but 15, 16, something like that. That's still pretty solid. Um, and having that week in the middle where you get no longer in, maybe do a little more extra strength training. Maybe you just relax and enjoy a weekend during this marathon training that you don't have to run at all. Maybe that's okay too. 100% that's okay too. Maybe that's okay for you. You know, that, that's to be determined. Um, but you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You get that 20 miler in. You'll be, you'll be good. You'll be good. Especially if you're running additional times, uh, you know, more, more than just a long run on the weekend, but you're running a little bit during the week, things like that. You'll be good. You'll be good. So good luck with that first marathon. Hopefully my answer made sense. Your question certainly did. And, uh, good luck. Can't wait to see that, that, that photo in the, uh, the bling post you with that, with that first marathon medal. Next question from Tam also Tammy, excuse me. Next question from Tammy, also marathon related. I've heard other coaches say on podcasts that you need to have at least a 35 mile per week average if you're going to run a marathon or you or you risk injury. What are your thoughts on that? <sighs> My thoughts are that sometimes people need to sh- watch what they say. Um, because no, I don't think that's that's necessarily the case. I think, and I mean, I haven't necessarily heard some of these, these comments or these, these coaches on these podcasts that say this, like, I understand, I think what they're, what they're getting at, or at least I can see, I can see an avenue where like, they're not wrong, right? Like, like if you're trying to race hard, you're trying to really be like, get the most out of your physical capabilities. Like there is a certain amount of running that you need to do in order to be ready to go, to go for a hard 26.2. Um, now is 35, the number, I mean, like, I I don't know, like, I suppose it's a, it's a, it's a decent ish minimum, but does that mean that if you're only, if you're only quote unquote, only averaging 33 miles a week, that all hope is lost. I mean, come on, get out of town, 35 miles per week average. So like, like, yes, that's, that's not gonna, like, it's not gonna be a bad thing to, to be running, you know, 30, 35 miles per week. 40, 50 miles per week. Like it's got to fit into your life, right? It's got to fit into your, your training routine and your fitness levels and, and all of the other, you know, life work and family obligations. But if you're not running 30 miles a week, if you're only running 20 miles a week, can you still run a marathon and finish it and do so without really elevating your injury risk? Sure. Of course. Are you going to run to the, to the peak of your ability? I mean, I'm not going to say you're not, but it's going to be a lot harder to just because you're not training as much as you could, as you potentially would need to, to get the absolute maximum out of yourself physically. Um, but no, I mean, you know, the short answer is, I mean, I know I've known people and I wouldn't recommend this. And I don't think this is what you're going with the question, Tammy, but I literally know, I know, I guess I, I know people, I know a person that at least for a while. I don't know if he's still doing this or not. Cassie, I don't know if you're listening, but if you are, you know, th- you know who I'm talking about. Um, 
who used to run the, the Disney Marathon pretty much every year. And he used to run pretty much once a year. <laughs> He'd run the Disney Marathon. Um, he might run, he might jump into another race here or there, something shorter or whatever. Um, but he wasn't out there grinding out 25, 35, 45 miles a week, not even five or 10 miles a week. Um, other than maybe, maybe just in the final buildup to the race, maybe he'd go out for a couple of decent runs, but like over the course of the year, his average miles per week were like two, right? And he would run the marathon every year. Never any issues. Now, was he seeing dramatic improvements in his pace? Not necessarily. No, no. You know, was he, was he running three hours? No. But was he, was he enjoying himself, having fun, stopping for pictures, doing the thing, enjoying, enjoying a a 26 mile, 26.2 mile run through the Disney parking lots and theme parks? Absolutely. So, you know, like, like again, in theory, the, the more you run to a point, the better prepared you're going to be, the better adapted your body's going to be, the less likely you are to break down and have injury issues. Of course. Yes. Sure. Is 35 a magic number? Hey, yeah, I, I don't know about that. But can you get away with running less than that and still run 26.2 miles, still push yourself, st- and still be able to do so without a dramatic injury risk? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that 35 miles per week minimum sounds an awful lot like one-size-fits-all advice. And, and you know, Tammy, and y'all know listening, where I stand on one-size-fits-all advice. Yeah. Not, not such a fan. So you do what you got to do. Um, and if that's somehow not 35 miles, if it's not even close to 35 miles per week, that's okay. That's okay. We can still get you ready for your race. You can still run a good race. Um, so yeah, they can, they can, they can take that rule of thumb and get right out, out of here with it as far as I'm concerned. But thank you for the question, my lady. Uh, keep on keeping on. Next, from Ellen, I heard this question on another podcast and wanted to ask you as well. What lessons have you learned from both your best race and your worst race? In the same vein, what do you consider your best and worst races? Um, This was a question that took a little bit of thought. And I I think, ultimately, I'm kind of coming back to the same lesson learned in different angles from both my best and my worst races. Um, And the lesson is that training makes a difference, right? And not 35 miles per week necessarily. Um, although again, like I, I, I do, I do agree. And I know, I know I said this with, with Tammy's question there, but like, like there is a certain volume that for me probably is close to like 35 to 45 miles per week that if I'm at that level consistently, like it, it does well for my fitness and I'm, I'm able to race pretty well. Um, but again, could I, could I do just as well at 30 to 35 miles a week? Yeah, probably. So whatever, but, but again, there's a certain level. So, you know, the, the, the best race I think I've run. And I, I mean, like, thankfully most of my races have been, I wouldn't consider terrible. I wouldn't consider failures. Even the races that didn't go as, as planned. Like there's definitely lessons learned. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I've learned things from every race. I think, at least I hope uh, if I, if I stop and think about it for a second, I've learned things from every race. Um, but, but probably the, the lesson learned from my best race which I would, I would classify probably as the, the half marathon I ran earlier this year, the celebration half, um, in, in January of 2022, um, just the, the training and training well, mixing in a little bit of speed work, but mostly running easy, 
for a year or more, um, you can still race really fast when you do that, at least relative to yourself, right? Like I'm not going to race, uh, I'm not going to be able to hold up to Kipchoge because I'm able to run, you know, whatever easy pace you might, my nine and 10 minute pace. Um, but like, you know, I went into to that race in January thinking, all right, I want to go sub 145, um, which I think is like what, like about a seven, about an eight minute pace, I think. Um, and that's, you know, I, I, I was very confident that I could do that. Um, but I ended up going sub one, one forty, um, because like I was just trying, kind of trying to run by feel and like, I hadn't run like sub 40 <laughs> for, for uh, years in terms of like a sustained effort. Now I've been faster than that in various workouts over the last year leading up to that, but I'd only do one workout a month. And so, and, and this would be like short, short repeats or a fast finish, but in my fast finish, I probably wasn't quite that, that fast. Or maybe I was, but not for, not for 13 miles. So it was just like, like I, I believed that running slow and racing fast worked. Like I'd seen improvement in myself. I'd seen improvement in folks I've worked with, seen improvement in folks I don't work with, but that also, you know, share the same belief and training practices. Um, but just to, to get out there and end up running five minutes faster than I, than I, than my, my goal was, um, yeah. I mean, that was, that was a great, great day. The weather lined up well, it was a good race and, and good lessons learned. And then, you know, on the flip side, like races where you don't train for them and they don't go well, um, for me would be that, that first Disney marathon that I've told the story of a few times, but the, the Cliff's notes version 2010 Disney marathon, I ran 14 miles the week before the marathon. That was my longest long run. And at that point I was like, literally my marathon training was, I did one long run per week. That was it. I didn't run during the week at all. Um, so, so I wasn't even close to that 35 mile per week average. Um, I was probably at like a nine mile per week average because it's like, you know, my first long run was like six miles, but it was probably like three miles. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, and then like four and then five and then six. And so I just like, you know, every week ran a mile longer and the week before the race, I ran 14 miles and thought, all right. Like I'm good. I ran more than half. We'll be all right. Um, and then I was not all right. Like it sucked. And so, you know, like, like that was my first race. My first race, it was anything longer than a 10 K. Um, and it was a good, a good lesson that like, if you're going to do a marathon again, which at the, at the finish line, well before the finish line, I will never do this again. But eventually, you know, it was like, like when I finished and eventually decided to do it, to do the race again the next year. Like, all right, I need to be better trained for it. And, and even the next year didn't go well. I wasn't as trained as I could have been. I, I still wasn't training consistently and well, but like, I, at least I had done more than a 14 miler the week before. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, training well, which doesn't always mean more, but training well for, for you, for your levels, for your fitness, for your, your goals and ambitions, uh, makes a big difference. And my best race was the race I was most well-trained for. Uh, my worst race was race. I was pitifully undertrained for, so probably not a coincidence, probably not a coincidence, but, but a lot of my races, like I said, and, and I'm not going to go through every single race I've ever run, but even a race, you know, where, where the result wasn't what I wanted, but like I pushed myself and kind of learned that I was too aggressive or that I took this for granted or whatever. Like there's definitely lessons to be learned in every race, both good and bad. Um, so, so thanks for the question. I'll a good little trip down memory lane and, uh, hopefully, uh, everybody, hopefully you as well have learned some lessons on your race experiences along the way. 
All right, we are getting close-ish to the end here, but we can't, of course, wrap up until we get through a Tom trifecta. So the first question from Tom this month, as you approach an upcoming race, what are some factors to consider if you want to be more aggressive with your goal time or if you should consider running more conservatively? I'm asking in the context of my fall marathon, but this could apply to any race, I think. Well, it could certainly apply to any race, Tom, because like I kind of just said with with the, the half that I ran in January, my goal, original goal wasn't to run the sub, the, the one thirty nine fifty whatever it was. Um, it was to run, you know, sub one forty five, And, and even at the starting line, I hadn't shifted my goal. I thought it was possible, but I was, I wasn't unsure if I wanted to push for that out of the, out of the gate risk blowing up and subsequently risk that, that sub one forty five. So, you know, as, as a race, race approaches, I think it's good to think about kind of what might be possible, what's in the realm of possibility, but then you need to kind of like, how do you feel on race morning? What's the weather like? What are the logistical concerns or are there logistical concerns? Lots of twists and turns on the course, relatively flat hills, things like that. How crowded. Um, but I think if you go, if, if everything seems like it's lining up, which kind of did happen for us in January, it was, it was chilly. Um, it was rel- I don't want to say it was crowded at the start, but like, like the race spread out relatively quick after the first few miles, it was, it was, you know, you, you kind of, you didn't have the course to yourself, but you weren't bottled, bottled in. Um, and so, so I think sometimes you can kind of make the, make the call when you're going. Now you don't want to wait until the last like two miles to be like, all right, I'm going to go from a 145 to a 140. But like for me, when I was out there, my first mile was slow. It was, it was like nine something, you know, it was kind of the warm up mile and it was also crowded and just kind of working through the crowd a little bit. Um, but then I was trying to like lock in on that, that eight minute pace or like seven fifty nine, seven fifty eight, something like that. And like, it just kept kind of ticking down towards seven thirty, and I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was pushing hard. Um, and I didn't want to fight to slow down. So I was like, all right, you know, let's, let's just kind of see what happens and we'll just kind of hang out here. And then, you know, by the time I got to mile 10, mile 11, like it was starting to be a grind. But at that point it was like, Hey, we got, we got 5k left. We can get this done. So all that to say for you with, with a fall marathon, um, you know, if, if things seem like they're falling in line, training has gone well, you know, the travel to the race, the weather lines up all right, feeling good on race morning. I mean, I don't think I would go for broke from the start necessarily. Um, because 26.2 miles, like, like if you're looking for, you know, a five minute buffer or something like that, it'd be, you know, the difference between, I don't, I don't remember what your numbers are, Tom. I know we've talked about it, but like, you know, 330 to 325, like that's a big jump, but like, it's only, only like, what is that? 10 seconds, 15 seconds, a mile difference from start to finish. So like, you know, you start out aiming for that 330 or whatever the, the number is that you're thinking about. Um, and if all is feeling well and feeling good, but by the time you get to, you know, four miles in five miles in, maybe 5k in even like, Hey, all right, I think I'm going to go for it today because then, then all you, you know, the difference if the difference at the starting line was 15 seconds per mile difference. The difference at mile three or four is 16 and a half seconds per different per mile, you know? Um, so it's not a huge leap at that point. So maybe you decide to go for it, but, but it's one of those, you know, risk reward, you know, kind of like I said with, with my race, would I be would I be willing to risk at mile two, mile three to go for what would at least give me the chance to go sub 140 or would I rather pull back? 
And so there's a lot of calculus. There's a lot of, mo- a lot of moving parts here that you got to kind of think through and, and work through and trust your gut and trust your training. Um, but I mean, you know, obviously weather is going to be a big one. If it's, if, if the weather is conducive and the training's been good, go for it. Cause you don't know when you're going to have a good training cycle and good weather the next time. Um, but you know, if you're going to be really disappointed, if things blow up because you went for it, then maybe it's not worth it. So like I said, it's not a, it's not a firm. You can do this or, or do, or you should do this or do that. Um, it's, it's, it's calculus and it's also kind of what, where you stand in terms of potential negative outcomes. Are you going to be okay with rolling the dice and going for it? Are you going to be frustrated that you went for it? Didn't get it. And then also didn't get your original goal. Um, because that very well can happen. You know, that very well can happen. Um, it can happen in 13.1 it can happen in 26.2 it can happen in longer, shorter. Um, nothing's guaranteed when you're pushing that, that red line, um, for the majority of the race. So, uh, good luck. Hopefully that helps give you some things to think about. Um, but it's, it's, it's a moving target for sure. Next question from Tom. How is running in Georgia different than running in Florida? Are you far enough North to notice anything here in Western New York? We have already started using long sleeve shirts for some morning runs. So, I mean, the big difference, and I feel like I've mentioned this before is the Hills. Like, like nothing here is flat. Um, although I mean, nothing in the neighborhoods is flat. Uh, there's, there's a couple trails I've found that are relatively, you can get some pretty good flat stretches. Um, but then they're like flat, flat. The, the trail I ran to Augusta, I mentioned that last weekend, flat, flat, which is fine. I didn't mind it. Um, but you know, just running through the neighborhood, running through the adjoining neighborhoods, running through some other neighborhoods I've driven to in town for long runs. Like it's just hilly. It's just, it, it's, and it's never like a mountain. Um, but there's just never anything flat. It's constantly rolling up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, sometimes a little more up, sometimes a little more down, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, but it's just, there's just nothing flat around at least the areas that I've explored so far. Um, so that's the biggest difference where obviously everything in Florida is mostly flat and even the hillier routes that we've run in Florida. Um, it's usually like one or two halfway decent Hills. And then there's still plenty of flat. Um, and here there's just, there's just no flat. So that's been the big difference. Definitely cool. You know, as far as weather wise, I feel like you're leading me in that direction. It's cooler here than it has been in Florida. You know, back to Karen's question, like it definitely noticing the weather, the weather feels different here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still not, not dressed for winter just yet. Um, my wife might be, but I am not dressed for winter. I've, I've worn some short sleeve shirts for runs in the morning. Haven't broken out anything with sleeves yet though. Maybe one of these days, but not, not today, not today. Um, although I will say this, my long run last weekend, it took me a little while to get out of the car because it was, it was like 52 degrees, which I know isn't, isn't cold. And it actually, it felt great once I got going, but that first, you know, walk down to the trailhead and that first half mile, um, was just chillier than I wanted it to be, you know, like I, I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't, but by the time I got to the first mile in, it was great cruising. So, um, so yeah. You know, still, still in the short sleeve shirts, but I would say probably by the, the next Q and a, there could be, there could be a long sleeve shirt for some morning runs that is, that is in play. Uh, certainly final question from Tom. Do you have a favorite fall food, apple pie, pumpkin spice, Cadbury eggs? Come on, Tom, you know, you know, you just, you just, you put that last bit in there just to get my reaction, just to see how quickly and how far I flew off the handle pumpkin spice, Cadbury eggs. Get right out of here, Tom. Get right out of here. Nonsense. Apple pie now. 
now we're talking. Now we're in the right ballpark of a favorite fall food. But um, if I if I had to say, you know, what is my quintessential favorite thing to have in the fall? Apples are a part of it, but it's not an apple pie. Actually, apples are the, the beginning and the end of it. Like nothing says like, oh, this is awesome. Like a good, crisp, just fresh apple, raw apple, biting into a good, golden, delicious, um, good honey crisp. Um, oh, that's good stuff. And like, you know, again, I mean, this is Michigan bias and I know there's some apples in New York and there's apples in various other places, but like Michigan bias and my dad growing apple trees, like, like that was just fall, right? Like once fall really got here, the apples ripened up, you hit that, that first frost kind of got the sweetness into the apples. Like, Oh, that's good stuff. And there'd just be apples for, for, I would say apples for days, but like apples for months in a good year. Um, yeah, fresh apples, man. That's that's where it is at for sure. But thanks for the questions, Tom. Hope things are well. Good luck in Chicago. Uh, next question. Next block of questions. It's time for the Gary Joe Collins hat trick plus one because this clown doesn't realize that a hat trick is only three questions. Actually, he does realize, but he always always mucks around and asks a, asks a fourth question. But the first one from Gary Joe, I run anywhere from four to six days a week. What would be an ideal, quote unquote, ideal marathon training plan look like for me? I'm not asking for one size fits all because I know you don't do one size fits all, but just, just in general. So, you know, I mean, I think, I think anywhere from four to six times per week is, is perfect for marathon training. Um, you know, you make one of them a long run, you make the other, you know, three, four, five runs a week. Um, you know, 45, 30 minutes to an hour would be, would be great. If you've got a day that you can go a little bit longer, cool. But you know, it's, it's, it's one of those where, where quite frankly, Gary Joe, it's not, I mean, how many days per week you, you train makes a difference, right? Like just going back to the other questions, like, like in theory, or at least to a point, the more, the more, the better, the more, the more you train, the quicker you'll make progress, the more progress you'll make. Um, but I think, I think for, for what's often overlooked is duration. So, you know, if, if you can, whether you're running four days per week, six days per week, whether you're doing, you know, a long run and a moderate long run and a speed work, like all of those details kind of come out in the wash, but like the ideal t- training plan would be like long enough. So I know in, in, in general, there's talking about 16 weeks. I mean, that's what I do for the giveaway. That's what I talk about in the book. But if you have, and especially if it's maybe your first marathon, a little bit weary about, about training that, that to go out to that long, to run that long, you know, if you can give yourself 18 weeks, 20 weeks, like the longer lead up you have to me is, is borderline ideal because it just gives you more options. It gives you more opportunities to, to push the longer runs a couple more times, you know, to Natasha's question to maybe do a multiple 20 milers, not that you have to, but you have the option to potentially do that, which makes 26.2 on race day a little bit less intimidating. You've got options to to adjust a little bit more. Again, to Natasha's question, um, when when spouse travel, family family life gets in the way, and you have to miss a long run for the weekend. Well, if you've got 20 weeks, okay, you know, if you've only got 12 weeks, well, that becomes a lot more tricky. Lot lot, you know, because you only have so much time, right? Um, so yeah, I mean to to your question, a long run plus, you know, a handful of other runs. That's great. That's what I do. Um, 
you know, could it be more optimized? I mean, sure, whatever, but like it works. Um, but I think having that consistency over time, maybe even before you officially start training for a marathon, that's, that's the secret sauce. Because if you're starting from, I can run a half marathon and now I've got 16, 18, 20 weeks to gear up to a full marathon and you got so much time, so many options in terms of how you do it, progress here, cut back there, week off here, really push farther here. Like you, you've got it. If you're starting from, I can run a 5k and I'm trying to run a marathon in, in four months, like things got to fall into place pretty seriously. And even then like, Ooh, that's, that's cutting it close. So give yourself plenty of runway and everything else kind of takes care of itself. My friend, it really, it really kind of does. I, I hate to be, I hate to sound it dismissive about that, but if you've got, if you've got enough runway, you'll be good. You will be good. Question number two from Gary Joe, as a coach, do you value mileage or time on feet for your athletes? Again, not a one size fits all thing. Um, it depends on the person quite frankly. And which, which again, it's clearly a, a non one size fits all answer. But, um, some folks that I've worked with over the years really like the miles. So they want it, you know, they want a, a, a mileage target. Some folks aren't as concerned about mileage and they'd be like, I've got 45 minutes. How far do you want me to go? Oh, go for 45 minutes done and dusted. Sometimes there is a little strategy in there where I've had some folks that really struggle to run easy. And I know I've said this before. I don't force anybody to do heart rate training or math training or anything like that. But like, I want you to keep your easy runs easy. I want you to do mostly easy runs. And so if I put on somebody's, uh, somebody's calendar and just making up numbers here, but four to six miles, well, they're going to push through and get, get, get to their five, four, five, six miles and be done. Um, but there might be, it might only take them 40 minutes and that might be too, too much effort. They might be pushing too hard or harder than I want. If I tell them to run for 45 to 60 minutes, they might still be in that four, five, six mile range. But instead of running their, their five and a half or six miles in 45 minutes, they're running their five and a half or six miles in 52 minutes. Well, now we're getting a little bit closer to that being easy, at least potentially easy, certainly easier, right? So sometimes I will suggest, Hey, let's run for time. And in my head, I'm going, all right, I, I know that their pace is about X and I want them to cover this type of mileage window. So we're going to put about that out there, tell them to keep it easy. So they'll stay in that, that, that pace range. Um, and there's, there's how the sausage gets made sometimes, but, but that's, that's the only time that I would really try to push one or the other. Um, as long as you're getting your miles in easy or your time on your feet in easy, both options are very viable. Just depends on preference, personal preference for, as far as I'm concerned for the person I'm working with. Third question, boy, all y'all people asking these questions about the move best thing to date about moving from Florida to Georgia Going off the Instagram pics, the neighborhood is beautiful. Yes, the the neighborhood we are in a we we are enjoying our neighborhood so far. Still still under construction, the neighborhood. Lots lots more to come, um, but we're definitely in, enjoying the neighborhood. Um, and and like there's been a lot of good things, quite frankly. And, and you know, Rebecca and I were talking I don't know a week or so ago, um, and it was just like some of the some of the things that that friends have been posting. And this is before the hurricane, of course, being a little bit more out of hurricane range. Not not a bad thing. Um, although we can certainly, we're still, still in hurricane, both from Ian and from, you know, I mean, we're not that far out, away from the water that we couldn't get a, get a storm up in our, on our way. Um, but just, I mean, you know, starting to feel like fall in September, like that's weird. Um, you know, just, just some of the, some of the dollars and cents things, which I don't need to bore y'all with that, but like some of that stuff, 
nice. Like like seeing posts from people about just things in Florida, some of the 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 just different things, local and statewide. Um, just to be clear of all of that nonsense, um, it's just it's just like every day. Um, there's been more of like, yeah, it was, it, you know, it was a good time to move. Glad that we did it. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm sure the honeymoon period of Georgia is going to wear off eventually. Um, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it up here, quite frankly. Um, you're missing a few things, of course, but overall, like 10 out of 10 would recommend, or 10, I, I don't know. Everybody's situation is going to be different, right? But 10 out of 10, I'm glad that we made the choice that we made um, and that it's it's turned out the way it has. Um, maybe the best thing, you know, to get all, all sentimental and sappy on you, um, but is having Addison's school be literally like three quarters of a mile from our house. Um, because that means that like, like we, we ride the bike to school or she rides her scooter. Um, but like she rides, rides her scooter to school. Then I ride the, and with Rebecca usually in the morning. Um, then I ride the bike up there in the, in the afternoon, take the scooter. She takes the scooter back and like, like it's no big deal. Like there's no, I mean, there's a commute obviously, but like, it's not, not getting in the car, you know, like, like I've, I haven't bought, put gas in my car since we got up here. Um, in part because I don't ride, drive my car as much. Um, we put gas in Rebecca's car a couple times, but like, you know, we went from, you know, two or three tanks of gas per week down in Florida to like, I don't know. I mean, a month without it with, with one tank of gas per month. Like that's been awesome. Um, but again, with Addison and, and the school and like, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting closer of having like kids in the neighborhood, friends, friends of hers in the neighborhood. Um, because in our old neighborhood, like there were like six kids that lived in the whole neighborhood. We've got like 12 kids that live on our, on our block, on our, on our, on our section of the block. Um, so it's it, like that part of it has been awesome. Um, and hopefully soon it'll be much more of, you know, getting home from school and going to play with whoever across the way or around the block, around the corner. Uh, like I said, we're getting there. We're not quite there yet. She's got a little bit of the, some of her daddy's introverted tendencies. Um, but hopefully we'll get there before too long. Um, and I guess that's part of the neighborhood, but it's just like, like I said, thousand reasons why, um, it was the right move for us. And, and I appreciate y'all, you know, with all, all the questions on it and hopefully I'm not bragging too much, but like it was the right move for us at the right time. So it's been good. It's been good. The final question, the, the non hat trick question, the, 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 the two in the sin bin, uh, for Gary Joe, and it's a hockey related question. So of course we're gonna let a hockey related question slide in here. Um, let's see, where does the question start here? Are the Red Wings going to be worth a plug nickel this year or not? Um, I mean, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, he also says a good Red Wings avalanche rivalry renewal would be swell. Yeah, but I think that ship has sailed my friend because, uh, you know, the abs being in the Western conference, the, the wings being in the Eastern conference. Now they play each other a couple times a year. Um, unless, unless we started running into them in the, in the cup finals every year. Um, I don't think that rivalry is going to be anywhere what it used to be. Cause the reason that rivalry was so big was not only that we play them, you know, three, four times in the regular season, but then we played them in the playoffs like every year for like six years. Um, so yeah, that, that rivalry got heated, got heated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the wings could be all right this year. Uh, I think they're in a really tough division. I think that's, that's not ideal. Um, 
I think they could be better. I think they will be better than they were last year, but I don't know if that'll be enough to make them relevant. That'll, I don't know if that'll be enough to really put them into playoff contention. Um, they signed some good players. They've got some young guys that they're counting on taking the next step. But, you know, if you followed sports ever at any level of sport, um, you know, there's never any guarantee that somebody's going to go, going to always take that next step in, in subsequent years. Sometimes it's a down year. Sometimes it's a down couple years. Sometimes they need a change of scenery. Um, but on paper, they're better. And, you know, I think they're, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be fun to watch. And hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe just kind of crack into that playoff conversation towards the end of the season. And once you're in the playoffs in hockey, I mean, anything is, anything is possible. That is for sure. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think, I hope that, uh, they could be a lot of fun to watch. So there you go. Four, four questions for the, uh, the hat trick, which I don't think is accurate, but whatever. We'll let it slide. Thanks for the questions, Gary Joe, as always. Handful of questions left. First one from Michaela. If you are race motivated but need to pull back, how can you keep running consistently and not jam your year with races? That, my lady, is a tricky one. Because by definition, at least at least by the way I read your question, you're not going to run that often if you're not training for a race. But if you're if you're not putting races on the schedule, then you're not training for races, which means you're not running very often. Um, and I think it kind of depends on, on what your level of race motivation is. Cause some, some folks, they can put a race on the calendar for a year from now, you know, make it some big goal race or, or whatever. And like, that's enough. Hey, I've got a race out there. It's still, it's still 11 months away. It's still 10 months away, but like, I've got a race, so I'm good. And then some it's like, Oh, that race is 10 months. Like I'll worry about it three months from now, six months from now. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're going to race in six weeks. I might want to get started on the training. So, you know, if, if you can put one race on your calendar for a year from now and motivate you to train, well, then that, that solves that problem, right? Then just don't sign up for any more races. You got a race in your calendar. You're good. If you need consistent races, that's a little tougher. That's a little tougher. And, and maybe, um, you know, maybe it comes down to looking for some shorter races, some like local five K's, 10 K's, things like that. And I know that means I'm recommending five K's, which is not, not my, my normal, uh, MO. But, you know, those are the types of things that maybe are, are easier to, to, to mix into the schedule enough to kind of keep you motivated because you want to run them well, but not so much that like they're breaking the bank, not lots of travel, not lots of extra wear and tear on the body. Um, but if that doesn't work, then, then maybe what you got to look at is, is how to kind of pepper in a race often enough to keep yourself motivated. And again, this is all going to be very dependent on you and your outlook and what works for you, but like you know, you don't necessarily need to race every weekend, right? But do you need to race every month? Is every three months enough to, to help you stay consistent between races? Um, you know, and just kind of figuring out what kind of races really light you up, what kind of races really excite you and motivate you. You know, if, if a road half marathon doesn't excite you that much, then don't sign up for a bunch of road half marathons. But if, uh, if a trail, you know, 15 K gets you excited, then, then sign up for trail races, you know, like, like figuring out what kind of races are exciting to you are fun for you. And then kind of how far can you spread them out so that you don't not binging and purging, you know, you don't want to have, you know, in a six week period, have four races and then not have anything for six months. At least in theory, you probably don't want that. You know, how can you spread them out? So you've got a race every, every six, eight, 10 weeks. So it's just enough that you get excited for a race. You run the race, you recover from the race and like, oh, all right, well, a couple months out, better get training again. Stay on, stay on, on track. Cause you got this other race coming up. 
Um, another option that maybe would work, and again, it depends on, on you, your personality, but what if you kind of volunteered, if you, you know, just take some friends, right? But what if you volunteered to, to crew or pace, maybe not so much crew, maybe it's crew and pace, but to at least pace somebody for a, a race that's coming up. So you wouldn't have to, to pay for the race, but you'd be motivated by the race excitement. And also the fact that like my friend is relying on me to be able to run 15, 18, 20 miles, whatever it is with him or her. So like, I better get my butt in gear so that I'm not slowing so-and-so down on race day so that, that they're not trying to make sure I'm okay. But like, I'm the pacer. I'm the one that's making sure they're okay. Um, that could be a, a thing that works too. So you still get, you still get some of the race excitement, but it's not your race. just not all the wear and tear of the race. It's not the cost of the race. Um, but you're still having that race day. I got to be ready on this day to run with so-and-so maybe that would work. I don't know, but it's tricky. It's a tricky needle of the thread. And sometimes it's one of those kind of like with the shoe questions and the, the toenail questions, uh, from Thessaly and Victoria, where there's some trial and error and you got to, you know, try this and maybe it doesn't work and then try that. And, and what is too much for you? And what is, what is pulling back enough to allow you to breathe? Um, it's a moving target, moving target for sure. But hopefully you'll, you'll figure it out what the right mix for you, um, before too long. Next question from Kelly. Inspire me. Oh, good luck with that, Kelly. I'll do my best. How many Ragnars have you run? I know at least one. What were the highlights? What were the challenges? What? I'm sorry, not what. Would you do another? So you're right. You know I've done just one, and that's 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 it. I've only done the one, uh, the Florida uh, Florida Trail Ragnar last December, December 2021. Um, and the highlights, I mean, that was easy. You know, the highlights was just meeting everybody that was there. Um, you know, like lots of folks that I had... had from the Facebook group, the majority of people from the Facebook group, people that, you know, Thessaly was there. Um, Sharon was there. She asked questions semi-regularly. Ellen was there. She asked a question this month. Kate was there. Uh, you know, lots of folks from the group that you, that you know, um, that were there, but like that I'd never met outside of Kate, never met in person. Um, so being able to, to see everybody and be like, Hey, and, and meet a couple new folks. Thessaly brought a friend and Ellen brought a friend. Um, that I didn't really know before that. And, and I don't know if they're still really active in the group or listening to the show. Maybe they are Heather and, and, uh, Oh gosh, now I'm, I'm blanking on name. I want to say, I want to say Anna, but I don't think that's right. Ah, probably should edit this out. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to keep stewing on it for a while, but, um, you know, just, just having, having the ability to meet some folks in person, um, and, and hang out, you know, and, and just kind of shoot the breeze and drink some coffee and run some miles together and, and just kind of the, the team camaraderie of it um, was awesome. It was definitely the highlight. I mean, loved it. Loved it for sure. Um, you know, as far as, as what was, um, you know, what were the negatives? What what did I not like about it? What were the challenges? Um, I mean, nothing really in the moment, to be, to be quite honest. Like, I thought it was great. Um, it was a little bit more of a, of a, um, the recovery was a bit more than I, than I would have liked it to be. Um, or at least was, was, was more difficult than I expected it to be. Um, like, like I was beat up afterwards and maybe it was cause it was the trail. Maybe it was cause I was pushing a little bit harder. Maybe it was because I didn't sleep as much as I normally would. Um, you know, like, like Laura, there we go. Laura, I apologize. I apologize. I knew it would come to me eventually. Um, I don't know where Anna came from. Anna came from. I don't know. Laura. Um, but anyway, like, like that was, that was definitely the, the, 
the challenge was the was the post race was the recovery, navigating the, the sleep issue a little bit. Um, but would I do it again? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that I'd be much more keen to do another trail race, a trail Ragnar than a than a road Ragnar. Um, I don't know. I mean, the van life just seems a little bit not exactly ideal. But I mean, I'd, I'd make it work. I'd get it done. Um, but the trail environment, uh, just kind of hanging out, campfires going, um, having a little bit of, of space that's not just everybody crunched in the van together, like definitely would do that. Definitely would do that. So hopefully, hopefully your Ragnar this weekend is going well. Um, and hopefully that was somehow a little bit inspiring. But thanks for the question, Kelly. Appreciate it. Pam, next question from Pamela. Your favorite products to avoid chafing. Why didn't I go get my products? Stand by. I'll go get you some names. Hold on. All right, I'm back. It feels weird to hit pause. Usually just do these one time straight through, but you're asking for some product names that I actually do have a couple that I enjoy or that, that I think work best for me. As always, feel free to disagree. Feel free to try something else. But I know some people are a big fan of like body glide, skin lube, things like that. Um, some of the more Vaseline based. Uh, I'm not that that keen. Um, I have used some like trail toes or um, like squirrel nut butter. That stuff's not bad, especially like I've used that for like in between toes. And I feel like that works all right. But my, my two favorites are more of a spray, spray on type of situation. Um, one is called Pure Active, P-J-U-R Active um, Two Skin. It's, it's called Pure Active Two Skin. I believe that's the website. Um, nope, just pureactive.com, P-J-U-R active.com. Um, no, no, again, no affiliation here. No, no, none, none of that stuff. Just a good product that I've used. Um, and the other one is Tri-Slide, which is like a spray on type of thing for, you know, under your arms, between your thighs, um, things like that. Um, and I've used both of them and I love them both. And I think what I like both, bo- bo- I think what I like about being able to speak, I think what I like about both of them the most is that I don't have to like, they're not goopy, you know, like they're spray ons. Um, you kind of almost don't notice that it's on. I mean, you notice it, but it's not like, it's not like, a, you know, something where you, you have this big smear, right? Like, like, I, you know, I don't really do bagels, but if I want to smear, I want it on my bagel, not on my, you know, between my legs or, or on the, on the undercarriage or whatever the case might be. Um, so I can do a little bit of a spray, make sure everything's, you know, kind of give it a quick run. Yep. All right. Sounds, feels good and good to go. And this stuff lasts, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't wear off. I mean, I'm sure probably at a certain amount of time, like you'd need to maybe want to reapply. Um, but both products, the tri-slide and the pure active, uh, just seem to work really well for me. That said, take it with a grain of salt because I, I thankfully don't have a really big problem with chafing. Um, you know, I don't usually use either of those products, quite frankly, except for maybe on race day for a longer race, I'll, I'll put some stuff on. Um, or if I know it's going to be pretty gnarly weather wise, I might put some stuff on, but day to day and even day to day for long runs. Like I just run without any, any anti-chafe products. Um, meaning just because these work well for me, maybe it's because I don't have as much of an issue with chafing as some people do. So as has been the theme today, trial and error. But those are two that I like. Squirrel nut butter is good. Trail toes is good. Um, you know, and, and quite frankly, I mean, you know, skin lube, body glide, like those aren't bad. I just don't like the schmearness of them. Um, but if that works for you and it, and it lasts and it, and it, and in a pinch, Hey, it get the job done, get the job done. So good luck. And, uh, I know your marathon's coming up, Pam. Hope it, hope it goes well. 
hope you're uh, relatively chafe free for those 26.2 miles as well. Next couple questions from Barb. It's often said at the end of a training cycle that the hay is in the barn. At what point is it too late to make a difference in your race performance? A month before, longer, a couple of weeks? Um, you know, this is a little bit of a rule of thumb bar, but it's also a little bit of physiology involved here that it's, it's about two weeks plus or minus two weeks is about how long it takes for the physiological adaptations to be, to be made and like cemented after a hard workout or after any type of, of stress and strain on the body it takes about two and a half weeks to recover from it. So, you know, as, as we're working, as we're doing a hard workout, as we're doing, you know, these long runs to build our endurance, like that's obviously stress and strain on the body. It breaks down various muscle tissues, connective tissues, and that repair process of our body repairing that damage to those, those tissues is what makes us stronger. What helps to build our endurance. Um, what makes us is what, what the adaptations are to make us, you know, that we're trying to get to move forward. So if it takes about two weeks plus or minus for that to happen, any work that you're doing, a week out in terms of massive long runs, hard workouts, anything like that. They're only going to take away from your race day performance because you're potentially going to be more, more fatigued. You're potentially going to be a little bit more worn down, potentially having a, a higher risk for injury. And there's no real upside because your body is not going to adapt to those workouts until after the race. So that's why for me, it's always kind of like two weeks is, is kind of the, the end, not, not necessarily the end all be all, um, cause there could be benefits to doing some other workouts in that two week window that are more mental benefits, but as far as physical, yeah, it's about, I would say two weeks, two to three weeks, which is why most plans have somewhere between a two and a three week is the last big long run. And then you're down to tapering, um, or at least then you start to taper. Um, because after that, it's all about just staying loose, staying sharp, keeping your mind from getting in, in, in the way. Um, but there's nothing really to be gained physically in terms of physical preparedness, and at that point, the hay's in the barn. So that's where the, that's where the phrase comes from, or they, they, that's where the phrase is implemented. Um, and that's that's the loose rule of thumb. It's about two weeks. Um, and again, maybe it's 15 days, maybe it's 13 days, maybe it's 16 days. But somewhere in that two-week window is where not really much benefit for race day to get after it. So you might as well take it easy, keep the efforts simple, um, and make sure your your gas tank is full, your energy tank is full, and muscles are all recovered and, and rested and ready to go on race day. Uh, second question from Barb in a race. Do you let your heart rate guide your run or do you just run by feel? I just run by feel. When, when, I, when I get on race day, um, I will still tend to wear my heart rate strap. Assuming I remember to put it on, I'm still going to wear my heart rate strap. But I change the watch face. Um, when, I, when I have a race, instead of having my, my average paces and my heart rates and things like that on my watch that I do for my day-to-day -day runs, um, I change it to just show the distance and the overall time. I don't even show my pace. Um, I try to just run by feel. Um, and, and obviously the longer the race, the more conservative I've got to be, but you know, like I try to keep checking in and go, all right, I'm, I'm five miles in, I'm eight miles in. How am I feeling? Can I go a little bit harder? especially if it's like a half marathon or a 10 mile, like we're getting close to the finish now. Now let's push a little bit. If it's, if it's a marathon or, or ultra or something like that, it's like, all right, this should still feel pretty easy. This should still feel, feel doable. Um, now it's race day. So I don't want it to be like easy, easy, but you know, marathon race day at mile eight, I should not be hurting yet. Right. So, so I'm not worried about heart rate. My heart rate's going to be higher. It's race day. That's going to happen. 
Um, I'm not worried about pace because sometimes you start to see a pace and you start to think, oh shit, I'm going too fast. Or, oh man, I need to pick it up. No, no, no. I'm trying to focus on how am I feeling? What's my distance? Now, obviously I can do a little bit of that math and be like, all right, I've, I've gone seven miles and, um, you know, whatever I'm, I'm, I'm an hour in. So I know what my pay, I know my pace is a little bit, uh, you know, it's, it's probably in that nine minute pace range or whatever. I can, I can do some of the math on that. Um, but I try not to get too caught up in it. I just focus on distance, how I'm feeling. And then afterwards, it is kind of fun to look at the heart rate, look at some of the paces, you'll check it out on Strava or on my, my watch or whatever, and be like, oh damn, like that went, that was going pretty well. Or like, wow, my heart rate was still pretty low. Like I probably could have pushed harder, you know, but, but that's part of the learning that comes after a race. But on race day, all I'm focused on is how I'm feeling and how much farther I have to go. That's it. Everything else I trust to take care of itself. And if I'm doing so, it's probably going to be a good race because I'm going to be pushing. My heart rate's going to be higher. I'm not worried about heart rate on race day, only in training. Um, so hopefully all that made sense, Barb, but great questions. And, uh, if you've got a race coming up, which it kind of sounds like maybe you do. Good luck. Good luck. Two questions left. One from Rick at what age does it become unrealistic to shoot for a PR? I ran my PR marathon in half in my mid forties. Two hip surgeries and seven years later, I'm running nearly as well as I won when I as as well as when I was 46. Yes, that makes me 53. Thanks for doing the math on that, Rick. Although I would have figured it out, but I know some some folks in here a little math uh, math hesitant. So thanks for making it easy for them. What are your thoughts on old folks still trying to run quote unquote fast? I mean, I love it. I love it. Now, you know, I think I think that that you have to be a little bit honest with yourself, right? Like if you started running when you were, you know, in high school, um, and you were running on the track team and you were hammering your 800 meter, you know, races or whatever, like there's something about being 16 or 17 and then being 55 that like, you're probably going to have a hard time keeping it like just physiologically, right? Like father time does what father time does. Um, but that said, and especially for the longer races, the, the races that, um, are more endurance focused than absolute top speed focused. Like, I don't know what the, the age that it is that it becomes too unrealistic, but it also, again, it depends on when you started. Like if you started when you're 50, which I know this isn't you, Rick, but like, if you started when you're 50, like there's plenty of reason to believe that you could still be getting PRs in your sixties. You started when you're 30, like, I'm not saying you can't, I'm not saying it's impossible, but like, it is going to get harder to get PRs 20, 30 years later, right? Like not only are you 60, but you're trying to compete with yourself when you were 30. Like that's going to be tough. Um, but I, I don't think there's a number, right? I don't think there's an age where you go, Oh, well, well now you're 53, Rick, you're not going to get a PR. Like, I don't think that, I don't think so. Um, and Lord knows I'm still hoping. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 now. I'm still hoping I've got another 10, 15 years of PRs in me. At least I'm going to need that to get to that Boston cross the line situation. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, you know, it's how you're feeling. Um, I think it's, it's, you know, you train a little bit differently, but again, especially for these longer, the longer the race where it becomes endurance, it becomes tactical. Yes. Top speed is still, still potentially relevant, but like you're not running a marathon at top speed, right? Like that's, that's the whole heart rate training philosophy. That's the whole run slow race, race fast is that on race day, you're not, you're not hammering out your top most speed. 
like you would be in a 5k or certainly like you would be in an 800 meters on the track. Right? So, so yes, you're, you're older. Yes. Your top speed might be less, but there's less of a, potentially there's less of a diminishing of your marathon type of pace. Probably going to be some, but you still can have a good day. You get some good training in. Maybe you have a couple hips that work now. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that you absolutely can still aim to go to race fast, still aim for new PRs. Um, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's within the realm of, of, you know, you're looking at the numbers going, God, maybe it's, it's doable. Then yeah, it's probably doable. Um, you know, it, like you need to take care of yourself, right? You might need to do a little bit more recovery work now than you did in, in your forties. Um, but you get to the line healthy, strong, fit, weather cooperates, give it hell, see what happens. And you might just be like, all right, new, new PR at 53. See, can we do it again at 54? Yeah, potentially, potentially. Good luck. Good luck, Rick, and stay healthy. Stay fast. Stay fast. Last but not least from Kelly. So say you DNF your fall marathon. Now what? In my specific circumstances, I know I want to try again, but for the fall of 2023. So I'm sitting on a decent pile of fitness. I don't want to just quote unquote waste it from now until I start marathon training block next spring. Should I chase faster half times, faster 10K, faster 5K? Um, sure. Like Kelly, and, and I don't mean that dismissively, of course, right? Um, but I think all of those options are viable. I don't think you can do, I don't think you should do all of them necessarily simultaneously. So it kind of depends on, um, you know, what, what you want to do, like, and, and also what's available, right? Like, like are the races that you want to travel to that you can travel to are the races that are close that don't require as much travel and, and the logistics and lodging and, and all that type of stuff. Um, but I'm pretty firm in my belief that good marathon training, good solid base like that can lead to fast times in any distance that is shorter than a marathon, potentially any distance longer than a marathon. But you know, I've heard too many stories of people coming off of a, of a marathon block and just crushing their 5k, crushing their 10k, crushing their half marathon. So like, I mean, I think all of those are viable options. I think if you wanted to go after a couple of them, maybe even all three of them over the course of the next six, seven weeks, if it all were to line up perfectly, I think it's doable. I mean, I think the half marathon one is the trickiest one because like this is going to be the, the hardest one to, it's going to take the longest to recover from, right? But like a good hard 10K, a good hard 5K, I mean, you could almost run, certainly you could run 5Ks, a hard 5K every weekend. You could probably mix in a 10K into a couple of those weekends as well if, if they were available to you. Um, and if you're going to do them and, you, and you've got this good block of fitness and you want to get after it, get after it, blow it out, see what happens. Um, you know, sometimes, like I said, sometimes not that, not the DNF and the marathon is a blessing in disguise, but sometimes all that fitness that you built while training for the race, like, like you said, don't waste it, but it doesn't mean you have to go right after a marathon right now. Go for something. If, if you're into it, go for something hard and fast and see what happens. See what happens. Cause you got the base certainly. And, uh, having worked with you, I know that you've been doing, there's been some speed work in there as well. I mean, obviously we've been focusing on the marathon, but again, the base is there. Your, your body doesn't forget how to run fast. Even if we haven't been doing quote unquote five quick five K training, get out there, give it hell, see what happens. And I wouldn't be shocked at all. If you're like, where did that come from? Where did that PR come from? Yeah. So 
you know, but but again, if there's a if there's a half near nearish buy that you want to get after, get after it. Go for it. Um, I think all those options are on the table. Big thing is just make sure you're recovering after those races appropriately. You know, and again, the half marathon will take longer to recover after than the 5K. But as long as your recovery is going going well, that that base of fitness is there. Lean into it. Get after it. See what happens. All right. Um, there we have it. There we have it, folks. Another month of questions down. Had to take a break in the middle of this one to go get some some chafe stuff. But we made it through. We made it through. And I bet you, if I didn't say something, you would have never known. Also, it took me a second to remember Laura's name. God, Laura, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but anyway, thanks for the questions, y'all. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? What do you disagree with? Let me know at DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can also send an email to DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can also, also head over to the show notes for today where just about every question was answered with either a meme or a gif and not much else because that's how we roll around here. Um, but so you can see the nonsense. You can also listen to the episode there. You can also scroll on down, leave a comment, a couple of links in the, in the post as well. We got, we got all the things as per usual. Dizruns.com slash 1087. Dizruns.com slash 1087. I'll get you back there. Want to get a question in next month's Q&A? Easiest way is to join the Facebook group. Dizruns.com slash Facebook. Look for the post. It says, what are your questions? You put your question down there in the in the comments. Bada boom, bada bam. We'll have another Q&A. If there's a question next month, we'll have another Q&A episode. If there's multiple questions next month, we'll have another long Q&A episode. You, you steer the ship on this one. I just do the yap flapping. But uh, anyway, we'll be back before then with some more interviews, more quick tips, more hopefully useful information. We'll be back with this, you know, another round of this in about a month from now. But uh, y'all, thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking me with you today, wherever it was that we went. And uh, until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Later, y'all.